Hello and welcome to episode 1114 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, November 18th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Oh, it's just a beautiful morning where it is so dark outside that it seems like night. Yes, that's what happened when uh, when I woke up. It's like 6.30 and just dead. Dead mm-hmm. and pitch black outside. It's so nasty. I don't like it. It's also cold, but uh, we're getting through it. And the offseason is still a pretty fun time in baseball because, you know, you and I are 365ers uh, with baseball. And this can be our first transaction episode of the offseason. Probably won't be our last where there's just enough news to kind of uh, not have a main topic. Let's go through a lot of stuff that's been going on and we'll dive right in with a big name value trade of Teoscar Hernandez. He's headed out to Seattle, second year in a row that they're acquiring a big-name outfielder. And by the way, they're not done with outfielder moves. We'll get to another one here in a moment. But they trade Teoscar Hernandez for Eric Swanson and Adam Mako or Mako. I think it's Mako. Um, and I mentioned the name value piece because I think that's driving a lot of the responses here. A lot of people think Toronto got fleeced, and I think it's you know because we know Teoscar Hernandez because he's been excellent since 2020 it's like oh my god they got smoked but i think when you really step back and look at it it's a corner outfielder who's going to turn age 30 he's a one-year rental he has disastrous plate skills that he's been able to out hit by smacking the hell out of the ball which he might continue to do but he's going to that park which you know is is a lesser park going toronto to seattle Eugenio Suarez uh, survived it. Jesse Winker did not. So you got a one and one there from last year's notable moves. What did you think when you saw Teoscar Hernandez going to Seattle uh, as far as the return? And then we'll get into what you think about Teoscar out there. Did you think that uh, Toronto fleeced or uh, Toronto got fleeced? I mean, yes and no. Uh, I, I mean, I don't love the return. I wonder if Toronto would wait it a little bit if they could have gotten a better return. I'd go the other way. If they waited longer, they would have gotten a lesser return. And they might have. Uh, I think one thing's driving up the price for uh, for Toronto uh, was the fact that there's really not a ton of relievers out on the market. Uh, and I think that relievers are going to be a lot more expensive uh, in trade and in um, in free agency than they have in the past because they're just it's a really, really kind of uh, weak reliever market this year. Uh, and so teams are going to be able to demand kind of what they want. And, and you know, also working against Toronto is the fact that they are extremely, extremely right. Yes. Uh, and I think they needed to move one of these guys. I think, you know, we're going to, you know, talk about Seattle making another outfielder move. But I think there's another outfielder move coming to Seattle, or sorry, coming to Toronto at some point to add a left-handed bat to this lineup. So, uh you know, I, I think at the end of the day, both teams get want gotta love this move for uh, for Teoscar and for um, Seattle. Personally, I think Seattle's going to have a pretty dynamic team here uh, pretty quick. It seems yeah. like they might be very very aggressive uh, in free agency and on trade front. So uh, I think this is going to be Seattle's uh, you know chance to kind of 
make a real move and improve that uh, team that surprisingly made the playoffs. That's the DePoto way, right? Makes this big trade, immediately makes another trade right after again, which we'll get into here in a moment. But when they got Teoscar, you know, again, I like Teoscar. I think he's very good. I was just trying to underscore, you know, talking about it on Twitter, trying to underscore why the return was what it was. Um, playing as much out-of-the-park baseball as I do, which is a, a general manager game where you're where you're running and building teams, I've learned that the value of a corner outfielder with with flawed plate skills just isn't much. The game does a great job of representing that. So maybe it's it's the fact that I'm such a nerd for that game that I wasn't surprised that the return was, quote-unquote, only a uh, breakout reliever from last year, Eric Swanson, and the prospect Adam Mako. Now, he is the 10th prospect coming into the year in the Seattle system. And Adam Mako looks like I've heard probably a reliever, mm-hmm. but does have starter potential if some things change. He spent the year in high A. Uh, it looks like he must have had an injury because he only threw 38 innings. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that that was the case. Misses a lot of bats, but doesn't really know where the ball is going. That command is why people think Mako's probably a reliever. Let's focus on Swanson. Swanson started to break through a little bit in 2021 uh, with his best season. You know, he was a starter, a hybrid guy in 2019. Didn't really go well. 2020, he threw seven innings. Who cares? 2021, 35 innings with a 17% strikeout minus walk rate, 331 ERA and a 108 whip. Not bad, but pretty generic. He gave up too many homers. There wasn't anything too special in the profile. Last year, he took a big step forward, though. Uh, 54 innings of work, 29% strikeout minus walk rate. The home run rate cut from 1.3 to 0.5, 168 ERA, and an 091 whip for Eric Swanson. Now, one of the counterpoints on, on him has been like, he didn't get used in the playoffs that much. They didn't really use him in leverage. I don't think he's some like badass end of the bullpen reliever. But Toronto, in addition to being overly right-handed the other big thing about them is it's romano and and the rest of the bullpen is kind of kind of sketchy getting to romano so they want to add another stable guy when you see the skills that that swanson put up this year how much do you buy into them 34 percent k five percent walk 15 percent swinging strike throws 93.7 on average so he's not blowing everyone away with his fastball but he has the slider and the split finger so he has three true pitches do you think Swanson can be a leverage reliever? Not in the ninth, obviously. We know Romano's probably going to hold that job. But do you think he is somebody they turn to in sticky spots in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning with Eric Swanson? I think so. Um, I, I think the skills are completely legitimate. Uh, you know, you look at like the contact rates, and his zone contact is way, way below MLB average. Um, or I guess for a pitcher way above it, Memo be average. I don't know. Yeah, he, I, yeah. He you're trying not, to say it's does way not give better. Up, yeah, he does not give up very much contact inside of the zone, which is what you want to see from a guy coming in, uh, you know, in those middle or late innings. Uh, like you mentioned, Toronto doesn't have necessarily like a bunch of elite arms behind Romano. I think they've got some good arms. Like, I don't think this is a bad bullpen at all, but I definitely think it was a spot they wanted to address. Yeah. And they started to, I think they need to add a lefty uh, reliever into the mix as well. But I think this is a really, really good start. Uh, And it really kind of, you know, helps strengthen one of the areas of weakness on this uh, Toronto team. So I completely understand why they made this move. 
Uh, you know, the other thing I think we didn't mention about Teoscar is he's a bad defender. Also, like, yeah, br brutal defender, which is what Winker was. By the way, uh, I don't think Winker makes it through the winter there. They've already suggested that they're trying to move. No. He's not the next guy we're going to talk about. That's a different outfielder that they mm -hmm. traded, and they could still trade Winker. So, yeah, you're looking at more of a DH type with Teoscar. He's moving parks, which going from – neutral slight plus of Toronto. It's not, it's no longer like a hitter's haven. It's, mm -hmm. it's good. It's, it's better for them than Seattle, but it's not a hitter's haven uh, going out to Seattle, which again, isn't a great park. What do you expect out of Teoscar? Cause he has been excellent. He really has since 20. Uh, we've talked about him quite a bit on this show uh, as a guy that you've been on in previous years, you know, 283, 333, 519, in 1300 plate appearances over those two plus seasons good for a 132 wrc plus and a 345 babbit which is really helping it the thing for me is like i don't believe that he is fundamentally different than 2018 2019 when he posted a 104 wrc plus but he had a 304 babbit so i am kind of saying he's been babbit dependent but i also believe he's earned that because he is smacking the piss out of the ball can teoscar continue to hit it kind of out hit his plate skills with the high strikeout rate, low walk rate and maintain say a 330 plus BABIP to continue to be a good player. Or does he hit a, hit a fall here in Seattle? Yeah. I mean, I, he hits the snot out of the ball, like you mentioned. So I definitely think he can run with a higher BABIP than, you know, what we would probably expect from a guy like him. I don't know if he can run 330. Like that just seems like that probably comes down a little. And that was his low, by the way. Three thirty-five yeah. this year was his low of these two plus seasons. Again, I'm not counting twenty twenty as a season, but he had a three forty-eight in the fifty games that he played that year, three fifty-two last year, and three thirty-five this season that we just finished here in twenty twenty-two for Teoscar. Yeah, I, I wonder if it continues to drop a little bit, maybe uh, closer to his. Um, his career average of 326 like that seems fine which you know you then you regress maybe five to ten points of batting average you're looking at a guy hitting 260 265 or 255 which is fine in this day and age especially if you're gonna get 30 bombs um his uh his ex home runs if he had played all of his games of course not gonna play all of his games at safe yeah. go but, but uh, just just for perspective yeah what was it was uh 31. Okay. And now that also includes playoffs. I don't know why they include playoffs on uh, baseball's event, but they, they do. That is weird. Yeah, but but okay. Because I was all like, well, it says he actually hit twenty seven, but he didn't. He, and you're like, no, he yeah. hit twenty five. And, and then I checked the playoffs, and I was like, oh, okay, they're including playoffs for some reason. I didn't realize they did that. It's good to know. Yeah, um, I had so, no idea. If I'm being honest. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, then you, you take two away from those thirty one. You still have twenty nine. Like okay, I'll I'll take twenty nine home runs or thirty home runs. Uh, you know, because I, I think that Seattle wants a new trade. Winker will probably make him the primary DH. Um, yeah, I think Teoscar becomes becomes their DH. They don't want him out in the field, as mm -hmm. you mentioned. Dreadful fielder. Uh, no real reason to believe that that's going to turn for the positive either. And you you also kind of wonder, hey, like, is this a guy that can stay even healthier? you know, getting out of the turf, you know, that are in those dome stadiums. Yep. So uh, and maybe that's of, a plus for him. Speaking of that, part of this move, I think, uh, 
is for Springer. He can't get off the turf because he's still on that team. Yeah. But I think they want to get him out of center. And that goes back to what you were talking about, about them getting a lefty. The Brandon Nimmo rumors really yeah. fired up for them once this trade was made. And it makes a lot of sense. I, I think, you know, sometimes you go with just the obvious answer is the right one. I believe that's yeah. Occam's razor. And I think that's, I think that's what we're dealing with here with the Nimmo Toronto thing. I think they're going to really try to make that happen. It fits so many needs with the left-hander, a center fielder getting Springer off of center field. It makes sense. A guy who can be a true leadoff guy against righties. Too, exactly. So. That OBP is excellent. And so that's the one thing that you know Nimmo's going to bring. Now, I will say, we're talking about to turf and how that can hurt guys. Nimmo's, He's had some injuries in his yeah. career. One thing I will say, though, some people might have this because I've actually talked with people, and the one thing that they say is he sucks as a defender. His reputation was bad defender. If you're still holding that reputation, I want to tell you it's two years out of date. Yeah. Brandon Nimmo has turned himself into a great center fielder. Um, so if you're holding that old reputation of him, you got to update it. Now, let me tell you this, Justin. I'm looking at the uh, projections here. We're going to put a bow on Teoscar. 27 homers, 250 average. I know you said about 260 and 30, so you might be a little bit higher. But with 250 and 27, it puts him as the 30th outfielder, and he's the 15th drafted right now. I don't know if your 10 extra points of batting average and three homers covers a 15-point jump uh, or a 15-spot jump in outfielder ranking. So how does that suit you as you're, uh, as you're thinking about about the draft and Teoscar, especially for a guy that you've liked. So the name value and kind of the allegiance is there. How do you feel about the projection versus the, uh, the draft spot here? Um, I mean, here's the thing for me is I have not even come close to drafting him this year at, at his ADB. Uh, and it's not necessarily because of projections. Cause I, you know, most of my drafts have, uh, have occurred so far before I really dug deep into the projections. Mm -hmm. But more a matter of the skill set, you know, I, I do you know, tend to like these guys uh, that can be a little bit more free swingers when they're going late. Hey, Oscar's not going yeah. late. Like you, You've been known to take that gamble to kind of have a almost a punt batting average plan mm -hmm. where you're hoping to get the 296 yeah. that Teoscar hit in 2021. And you get two or three of those on your team. And then all of a sudden your punt batting average worked mm -hmm. out. But now Teoscar is a premium. I will say this. Interestingly enough, George Springer's projection is about what you had, 30 homers, 258 mm -hmm. average, 11 steals to Teoscar's eight projected. So it is a little different there. And that has him as the 14th uh, outfielder by Steamer. So do you think Teoscar can do Springer or, or not? Of course you think he can. How likely is it that he hits that Springer projection and is closer to the 15th? So I, I, by the way, I will say I was wrong. I was going to I said your 10 points and three homers won't, won't add him 15 <laughs> spots. Yes, it will. It actually yeah, it would will. get him there or throw in three steals too, but it actually would get him there. So where do you stand between that Springer and Hernandez projection? Which one's more likely? We know you're not paying the 15 price right now for Teoscar, but which is he more likely to be this year in your opinion? I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to playing time, right? Maybe Steamer has him higher if they don't project him to only play 139 games. It's a good point. Um, I, I don't think there's, I don't think we should be giving him a injury-prone tag after one season. I think there, you know, Steamer factors in like previous years, and we have to remember before the breakout, he was, you know, a part-time player because he was so bad defensively. It wasn't yes. until like Toronto said, "Screw it, we're just going to let this guy play." Um, that he actually played. So, you know, losing playing time last year, I think, uh, 
you know, because of the injuries, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to dock him. I'm, I'm going to give him 600 plate appearances in Seattle. I think, like I said, I think they're going to let him DH a lot. They just traded, you know, uh, a pretty important bullpen arm for him. I don't think they did that to sit him on the bench. So yeah. unless, you know, unless he's really bad. So if we give him 600 plate appearances, uh, kind of at that projection, we start getting closer and closer to mm-hmm. that, you know, 15 home runs, or sorry, 15th uh, ranked outfielder. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think, I think he's probably closer to the Springer projection than he is to his own at the end of the day. Uh, something I've noticed because I, I wrote up, but I wrote up some pictures last night, uh, ADP versus uh, Steamer uh, for the site. Man, their projected playing time is not great this year. Like, and I know it's early and it'll get moved around a little bit, but man, like some of the players they're giving innings to uh, is You're ridiculous. Like, like, I don't, I, I like almost every guy I wrote up last night was like, listen, the projection in itself is fine, but there's no way they get to this. It, like, Andrew, I'm, Heaney, I'm looking at the guys, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the guys you got here, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, I mean they they've got Tyler Glass now for 160 innings. He's never thrown 160 innings. Like even between the majors and the minors in one season, he's yeah. never done it. Like how are you how are you projecting that? Like I just don't know. Like I mean, it's just insanity. Um, yeah, I, I totally feel you on that. And you got Alex Wood on here, who's never been mm-hmm. a consistent innings guy. So I, I definitely feel you on that. Andrew Heaney, they, Andrew Heaney is uh, projected as a 26 starter. I love Andrew I even put the Charlie Brown gift. I see. I'm trying to kick the football into the article um, because that's me with Andrew Heaney. But how do you give him as many innings as they gave him? Like, I just you don't. Can't. I don't you know that you simply can. can't. I think no. if you're drafting Heaney, it has to be at a spot where you're comfortable getting 60 innings um from that draft pick which is going to be higher than like where you're taking him you're supposed to you're expecting more than 60 innings but you have to plan for that with him and then hope that you can get a buck 30 you know he's going off the board as a 74th starter right now that's not bad that's a great price for his upside yeah for his upside i'll take that all day he'll move up once he signs especially if he signs in a pretty friendly place true true uh speaking of Mm-hmm. Where's Tasker going to go? Because we've been talking about this 15 draft spot among outfielders, uh, pick 60, 61 ish on average. He's going to come down. Uh, I think people will probably overly panic about Seattle uh, from Toronto because I think there is still a, a reputational a boost for Toronto as a hitter's haven, which again, it's more neutral than it is hitter's haven. How far down do you think we see Tasker go? Uh, let me give you an idea of who's going right around him there. You got Corbin Carroll. Adelise Garcia, Starling Marte, Kyle Schwarber, all going in the in the with Teoscar in the 60 to 70 range. So it's a little outfield cluster there. And then you jump down to Springer at 85, Buxton at 89, Eloy, your boy at 89, who is gonna go up because you're hyping him. I'm seeing others hyping. Mike Curlin just did a big whole thing about how he's a my guy type of thing. So that's gonna, you know, people the the Eloy hype's going up. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to say before you answer that I think Eloy and Tasker could flip. I could see I, Eloy I was going at literally six. okay, literally about to say that. Um, I mean, I think I he's I think he should probably be going outside the top 100. That's where I would be comfortable drafting him anyway. So Tasker, that is, of course. yeah, maybe maybe that's and you know because I don't think he should be going ahead of Brian Reynolds. 
Um, I'll no, take I Brian Reynolds. Reynolds. There are plate skills over him, even in Pittsburgh. So yeah. uh, especially with Pittsburgh continuing to get better offensively. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll be interested to see what the drop is because traditionally, you know, I was talking to um, Alex Santi about this, a uh, great writer from the site, uh, yesterday um, because we were kind of game planning some articles uh, uh, the, together. And, and I said, like, traditionally, ADP rises on guys when there's news. Like, 90% of the time, yeah, it true. makes their ADP rise, even when it's a bad, you know, piece of information. Um, it's just because they're on the mind type of thing. Yeah, because outside of like a pitcher going to Coors, of course, so we, the outliers we yeah. know, but I, I get or, what you're or you know, or or Kenley Jansen signing, you know, killed Will Smith's value. Yes, yes. As, as you But you know, like most of the time when we just hearing a name, you know, what's the old adage, right? Like any news is good news, or any publicity, or any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's so. in the news, he's going up. Yeah. Um, but I think he'll, I think he'll trickle down a bit, maybe after an initial rise, right? That could be a false rise, like mm -hmm. what you're saying. So maybe he jumps a little and then settles down. Teoscar does and comes into the eighties or nineties. I don't know if he gets outside the top 100, which I think pushes him off the board for both of us. I don't think either yeah. of us are comfortable inside that top 100 because after Buxton and Eloy, it's Brian Reynolds, as you mentioned, you got Tyler O'Neill at 104. You got Chris Bryant at 112. I know you're not taking Chris Bryant, but what about Tyler O'Neill versus Teoscar Hernandez? Man, kind of the same guy, right? Like, you know, a guy with just unbelievable power and just uh, inability to make contact. So, so then why would you pay – you know, let, let's, oh, let's I'm not, I'm, I'm going to have more. No, no, I know, not you, more. not you. I'm saying like, then don't pay even pick like 75, 85, which would be a little bit of a drop for Teoscar over Tyler O'Neill at one Oh four. I, I tend to agree. And I was out on O'Neill last year, but now the price has dropped and I'm kind of inching back mm -hmm. in. So one last and, note, oh, go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say Tyler O'Neill's, you know, uh, rumored to be on the trade block as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so get him in a friendly park because St. Yeah, Louis, that's one I think exactly doesn't I, get enough hype for being. I, I think bad. he's one of those guys where, like, you know, no matter where he goes, uh, unless he ends up in San Francisco, like, it's going to be a better park situation and probably a better, you know, I, I know St. Louis is really, really good offensively, but that because they're so good, he's never going to crop, crop the top five in hitters. Yeah. He's always going to be in six, seven, um, even when he's hot because that that lineup is so good. So like wherever he ends up, he's probably hitting higher up in the lineup, which means more uh, plate appearances. Um, I got some I, interesting yeah. news for you, by the way. Ooh, okay. If he did go to your giants, it's actually go, better. Yeah. From the 24th worst <laughs> park for righties to the 10th. Y'all are up to the 10th yeah. for righties over these last three years. And remember part of that's influenced by the pandemic season where they had that, that door closed or it's open. I forget closed. whichever one it, it, it's, it's still closed. Yeah. And so it has now, added this extra um, uh, that ballpark factor stream, yeah. with a jet stream that makes it a little bit more hitter friendly. So San Francisco isn't even that bad. St. Louis is though. One last note on Teoscar. He destroys lefties. One of the best hitters in the league against lefties. There are currently nine slated lefties in rotations in the AL West. I know they're not playing as many games against division, but they're still playing a shit ton, right? Because and I, it was fair. I, I'm not mad or anything, but people push back when I pointed that out. Like, well, hey, the schedule's changing. It is changing, but it's not like they're getting out of the division. You're going from, I think, 70-something games to 50-something games. That's still 50-something games in division where there could be a lot of lefties. Looking at the names, um, there weren't many that I don't expect 
to make the rotation. Uh, LA specifically, you've got you've got four. You got Tyler Anderson, Patrick Sandoval, Jose Suarez, Reed Detmers. I think three are in for sure. Jose Suarez, I think he should be in, but maybe they don't put him in. So that's four there. Oakland has Waldachuk, Sears, and Irvin. They might trade Irvin because he's getting a little bit older, but that I think Waldachuk <laughs> and Sears are definitely in. Texas, you have Martin Perez, who took the QO. We're going to get into that in a moment. And then Houston, you have Framber Valdez. So a lot of lefty opportunities there for Teoscar. Bottom line, interesting move. Uh, probably too expensive for Justin and I. Let's move on to Seattle's other move, this time of another outfielder leaving and that's kyle lewis going to arizona this was another name value thing where everyone knows kyle lewis even though he's been hurt and not uh, not playing much lately but they know him former rookie of the year he gets traded for cooper hummel everyone's like who the hell is cooper hummel um I, I i get that but this isn't really an unfair trade to me because you know you just can't bet on kyle lewis to stay healthy so people are still dreaming on him and i get it he's only 27 and if he can find some health he can be good but I understand this deal here. What did you think of Cooper Hummel for Kyle Lewis? Start with Kyle Lewis in Arizona. What do you think? I mean, Kyle Lewis is all about health, man. Like it's just, uh, you know, good on uh, on the Diamondbacks for trying to make this kind of deal. It to me tells me um, one that maybe Lewis is going to be ready to play kind of come opening day. Like I don't think that. Uh, Pardon me, real quick. Is he not getting drafted in? Probably not. I mean, oh, there he's, he is. He's util, util I was, util I was under the outfield, but he's okay. He's picked five ninety three on average. So we always talk with Kyle Lewis that it comes down to the health. We all know that. So that's yes. the starting point. Are you buying at five ninety three? Are you taking Absolutely. that shot? Okay. Yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah. five ninety three. That is that's nothing. Like that's that's, that's not being. Yeah, it's not being drafted in a standard fab league. Like yeah, in a, in that's a draft champions team. only. Yeah, I mean, take the gamble. I mean, this guy is uh, a guy that, when he is on the field and playing, is a top fifty. Well, no, to, let's say let's say top forty outfielder. Yeah, yeah, I would say at least fifty, right? which is what you were going to uh, start with. Yeah, at least fifty. I, I felt like that maybe that was too low. Um, so. Yeah. But uh, it's been a while since we've seen him, you know, 18 games this year, 36 last year, uh, 58 in 2020, which was 58 out of 60, though. So that, you know, that was his season right now. Um, I will say this, though, and you've always been good about pointing this out. Yes, take him in draft champions, but don't get too many guys like Kyle Lewis, because yeah. if a bunch of them bust, then you have a lot of dead spots. But, you know, you, you need to mix in some of those high upside super gambles. And I think he's an interesting one in Arizona. Um, I think they'll now here's the thing though. Where the frick is he going to play now? Yeah. I think they have another move coming, but we already talked about how Alec Thomas, you know, is penciled out right now with mm -hmm. Varsho McCarthy and Corbin Carroll. Now you're adding Kyle Lewis. You mentioned DH that could be an Avenue for sure. Um, obviously his health is such that, you know, we're not worried about penciling him in for 500 plate appearances right now. My big question is, do you think one of those three that's currently penciled in Carol Varsho McCarthy is traded this off season for like a pitcher? Um, I would hope so. Like I would hope they would move one of these guys. It won't be Carol. I don't think it'd be Varsho. I think if, if anybody it's McCarthy or maybe it's Alec Thomas. Um, that's, I, I think I think Thomas could be the move because I think that could get you a really nice. Pick. I think they need a, a number two, a co-star for Gallon. Merrill Kelly was great. 
Alex Thomas for Pablo Lopez. Do another Jazz Gallon deal. Yeah, I, I mean, mean there you go. It makes a ton of sense. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, that's the thing, you know, like, is he kind of buried? And how much is buried my boy Seth Beer, who is like the left-handed version of Kyle Lewis, of a guy who's got a ton of talent in the back, but can't play on the field. Now, he can't yep. play on the field for a different reason. It's because he's built like me. Yeah, uh, inept fielding, not so much the injury yeah. piece. Maybe the worst fielder I've ever seen live. Yeah. Um, we saw him so at the brutal. Arizona yeah. Fall League, um, and he had the most routine pop-up at first base, about four feet uh, in in uh, foul territory from, uh, from first, uh, and he missed it by about four feet. It was hilarious. We, it, we were like, wow, uh, unreal. This, this um, is as advertised, right? Because we had heard yeah. about how bad his fielding was. We're like, okay, okay. And then it showed crystal clear in 4K that yeah. Seth Beer couldn't field. So there, there is some cluster in Arizona and uh, Seattle right now with, with this trade. I don't think either team has done, especially Jerry. I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle no. pulls another trade. Yeah, and I, I'd be super surprised if Arizona was done considering – um, the depth they've got at certain places and the shallowness they have at others. Yes. Uh, and because they have such a young team that doesn't cost them very much money, like this is the time to go spend on a big name or two. So I think both teams are in a position where they could yeah. figure out a way to get a big free agent uh, to add to Seattle, obviously already reached the playoffs. They're on the, they're fully on the rise, but this Arizona team, we talked about the baby snakes all in the second half, about how much they were crushing righties. They did have Gallon, obviously, as an ace. Merrill Kelly, Dre Jamison, Ryan Nelson did some things. This team is not that far. The difficulty for them is that division because they have L.A. and San Diego that they have to contend with. And I don't think your Giants are just going to go quietly into the night. I think they're going to have a big offseason to try to get back on track, too. So that part's tough. Um, anything for Cooper, Cooper Hummel? He's He's caught in the past. I don't know if he retains catcher eligibility in the F, uh, in uh, NFBC. I don't believe so. He's just just short, um, so he'll, he'll have it in Yahoo. Um, so I I mean I don't know that Hummel is a super interesting guy. It, it would only be draft champion 50 yeah. round type stuff if he did have the C eligibility, but with outfield eligibility only, he's picked 706 right now. I mean, that'll go up, but who cares? But yeah, like that's the 47th round. If he's a 40th, something in the 40s round pick and you just need a guy, fine. But I don't really have any hope for Cooper Hummel. And I hope Alex Chamberlain doesn't hear this because he'll cry if I'm shit talking Cooper Hummel. But, uh, you know, is switch Alex hitter, a Cooper Hummel guy? I'm, I'm fairly certain he is. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Top top article right now from Halloween. Uh, Alex Chamberlain's five bowl predictions review. Uh, so it included Cooper Hummel. Cooper Hummel will generate more value than teammate and fellow corner slash outfield Dalton Varsho. Oh, God. That must have just been an apology letter. Yeah. I uh, Hindsight, obviously, 2015. Yeah. But I liked Varsho a lot coming into the year, so I can comfortably say that even as a bold prediction, I never thought this one had a chance. But uh, that's how, it, again, it's easy to say that about bold predictions at the end of the year. Um, you know, he had, you know, Andres Jimenez as a top 15 player overall. That one didn't work. But if it got you to draft Andres Jimenez, you're thanking Alex for that. Absolutely. So, you know, yeah. bold predictions. I remember, always... when he, 
I remember when he said that one, I was like, oh, that's super bold and I love it. Yeah. Uh, so and he wasn't terribly far off. I mean, has had a great yeah. year. But anyway, so that's the that's the Seattle portion of the show. Let's get into some other news. Uh, the qualifying offers. We figured that uh, there would be a couple taken. I th- I thought three for sure, upwards of four. It ends up being just the two, Jock Peterson and um, Martin Perez, who I mentioned earlier. Let's start with your boy Jock uh, in San Francisco. This one felt like a slam dunk. Jock Peterson had an excellent year for your team, and he's being offered 20 mil to stay there for another year. How would he not do that? Because, yeah, he could have maybe found a multi-year elsewhere, but probably for like 10 mil per, not 20, maybe even like 12 or 13 mil. But he's figured, I'll take the 20, and I'll run it back next year at age 31 or, or age 32 and see if I can get a multi-year there. How do you feel about Jock back in San Francisco? Can he... How close can he come to repeating the 23 homers, 70 ribby, 144 WRC plus season that we just saw from Jock Peterson? I mean, I think he can repeat it pretty easily, uh, considering the Giants clearly don't care about their defense. Uh, <laughs> and they're really good at platooning these guys. Well, what, what if he's the first baseman, though, right? Because uh, Belt's gone finally, right? Yeah, but I think Flores is the first baseman and J.D. Oh, Davis yeah, is yeah, playing yeah. third. And, yeah, you're right. Um, I think Jock has to... I hope as a oh giant, no, they got him penciled in at DH. Uh, well, that's roster resource. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think they would like to DH him. I think Giants are going to make a bunch of other moves. It's just hard to know what, what moves they're going to make. Um, Absolutely. I hope this is a sign as a fan um, of the Giants. I hope this is a sign that they're not looking to make long term moves, right? Now. Yeah. And that the Aaron Judge rumors uh, are just them trying to drive at the price for other, other teams. So, uh, because I don't think they're in a spot where that makes a lot of sense, and I think Aaron Judge would be an awful, awful. That's going to be an awful end of the contract, no matter where he signs. So uh, he's already older too, right? Like, yeah, Aaron Judge is a late bloomer, and I know that he worked on his flexibility that's helped him stay healthy in the short term. But you're still talking about a really big body, like that probably won't age super, super well. Um, it's just hard. Like no yeah. matter what he does, it's going to be hard for him to keep that body intact. No matter what, and I yeah. wish him the best. Like I don't want. I'm not rooting. No, I, I, downfall. But I, I would only root for his downfall if he signed with the Dodgers. Like, yeah. that's you know that that you would openly do. I understand. Yeah. Uh, so, um, to your point though, Jock played a ton of outfield last year. He only DH yeah. 14 games, and he was comically bad. Outs above average, second percentile, yeah. not second place, second percentile, which is horrendous. Outfield jump. Second percentile arm strength, 45th percentile. So, like, he has a yeah, he's got a good arm, average ish arm, but uh, obviously, he can't get to the ball very quickly. He's not making a ton of outs. They need to find some DH. We're not as worried about that as a fantasy community, though, because I don't think him playing the outfield negatively impacts him. In fact, he had a 916 OPS in his 95 games in left field, 992 in his 17 starts in right field, and a 616 in his 14 DH starts. Now, of course. That's a tiny sample fueled by a 207 BABIP. There is a 10% decline at DH, just a general players lose about 10% of their offensive production. That's like uh, a much bigger than 10% drop. I don't think that that would happen if he DH'd all year. But he might be, a you know, if he DH'd all year, you might be more of like um, an eight, a, a low 800s OPS instead of the high 800s that he was. That That's something that we could see out of Jock Peterson. But we'll see. I thought it was a good move by him. 
Uh, I don't hate it from the Giants' standpoint because it is one year. So even if he comes back to earth and isn't quite as good, it's not going to kill them. Martin Perez, that was one that I thought was a slam dunk as well. Those two I, I had as slam dunks. I also thought that um, Tyler Anderson would take it. He did not. He got a multi. We'll get to that in a moment. And I thought Nathan Ivaldi could, and he did not. But Martin Perez took it. Nobody's surprised there. Breakout year. Give him 20 mil. Um, how likely is he to, to hold these gains? Like, what, what is your what is your general projection for Martin Perez? How much do you think he can hold of this excellent season? Because there were some skill changes that that drove it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, he made kind of decisions to attack the zone in a certain way. Yes. In order to kind of uh, have this result, and it worked. I think it was only going to work really well in Texas, in a in a stadium like Texas. So the fact that he resigned there makes me feel a lot better that he can i don't think he's going to repeat exactly what he did obviously but i think he can get you know at least be a better version than of what we've seen prior to this so yeah i think uh, i think he's probably one of the most underrated uh guys in the market i mean last episode we were talking about i can't remember who oh it was oscar gonzalez could be this year's version of adolis garcia a guy that the market just hates so much um that he also he all, all of a sudden becomes a bargain even though we see the flaws right we mm -hmm. see the flaws in martin perez you know he, he doesn't throw hard uh he can get hit around when he's not locating properly but if the hate continues to go this far then he's going to be a bargain at the draft table and right now he's a bargain at the draft table you're gonna get a crap ton of innings in a really really good park um, are they all going to be great innings? No, but I think like he could volume his way into being very, very valuable. And I don't think we're going to see him turn back into like a 450 ERA guy. Yeah, if the home run suppression sticks, mm -hmm. I think that's really the key here for Martin Perez. That was such a big factor for what he was able to do. He literally didn't give up a homer until June. Mm -hmm. um, he did kind of regressed there in July and August where he gave up nine homers in those two months combined, but then another homer free month in September, October to close it out. And that was big. And again, you can look at the, uh, the drop from 16% to 7% in the homer to fly ball for Martin Perez and say, well, that was pretty, pretty fortunate. He did make changes to his arsenal and how he attacked to drive some of that though. So sure. You can put some regression on that. I I'm not, putting him for a 289 ERA. In fact, I was saying he was going to regress quite a bit all year. I, I had him wrong. I kept saying sell, 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 sell. And he made it all year, Perez did. Uh, but there'll be some give back there. But I think you could comfortably project like a high threes, low fours ERA. Like the 413 ERA he's projected from Steamer makes sense to me. I might be a little bit lower than that, giving him a little bit more credit for 2022. But the bottom line is you don't have to pay full price for this breakout. This is This is a pitcher version of Adelise Garcia where the market's keen on not paying too much, but almost to the point where this is a pretty fair price pick 314 for Martin Perez. Yeah. Give me like a with that. 390 ERA and like a 1.3 whip. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, a guy who is probably going to throw, I don't know, 190 innings and, um, you know, that'll, that'll turn out to be, um, you know, 170, you know, 175 strikeouts type thing. Like, and we'll take uh, that. And yeah, listen, I'll take that all day long. We play deeper leagues. He's a 15, yeah. Martin Perez is a 15 team league type of guy in your twelves and tens. 
You're probably not even worried about drafting him. He's late if you do, and he's a he's a team streamer in those type of formats anyway uh, for Martin Perez. And, and here's the thing. Like, if you're playing – I kind of prefer him outside of the draft and holds, right? I kind of prefer him inside of these fab leagues, these third-round fab leagues, um, because if he turns back into the Martin Perez of old, he's an easy cut. Yeah. Like, he's – He's not one of these guys that, you know, they're going to be people drafting um, Aaron Ashby, for instance. Like, he's a really good example of a guy who I think is actually really well-priced right now. Um, but, like, they're going to draft him, and they will hold on to him for months oh, yeah. and months because they think, oh, now, you know, I've got he's got I such upside, such upside. The downside to drafting upside late is these are the guys that you will hold on to while other people are making moves. Um, yep. as opposed to a guy like Martin Perez, it's like, hey, he comes out and throws two straight stinkers to start the season. He's off my roster, and I'm going on to the next guy. Yeah, and even if he rebounds off of that, you're like, you you are accepting oh, wow. that, hey, I took my shot on Perez. It didn't work out. I'm moving on because of the league format I'm in. I was able to replace him pretty easily. Yeah. And maybe in that particular format, you replace him with this guy because maybe he gets off to a bad start uh, in L.A. or staying in L.A., I guess. Not really. I know they're in Anaheim and people who live in L.A. freak out about it. But Tyler Anderson goes to the Angels. He had a multi. And that was the only way he was going to decline the QO was if he had a multi-year deal locked and loaded. Turns out he did. And Tyler Anderson inks a three-year deal to go to the Angels. So from one L.A. to another, how much do you, do you think he stayed – with the Angels so that, like, when shit's going awry, he can just drive over to Chavez Ravine real quick. Actually, you can't drive anywhere real quick, quick in L.A., but you get my point. So you can just drive over there real quick, talk to Mark Pryor, and get back on track. Do you think that's why he signed with the Angels? <laughs> that's I mean, that's my speculation. I can't prove I mean, it. I think in this day and age, like, guys can just text, right? I like, mean, they could, yeah. but he wants – he needs that – Maybe there's just a really good taco spot in LA that he loves. He just refuses to get. They're giving me a three-year deal, so I gotta take it. But at least I get to stay close to Del Taco or wherever. If Del if Del Taco is the place, I'm not saying that Tyler Anderson's a smart dude. I'm just saying he probably is really obsessed with that Del Taco. So he gets a three-year, thirty-nine million dollar deal, eschewing the the twenty mil, and that's exactly what I thought he would need to, to decline the 20 mil. Um, you get 40 mil, you double it up, you spread it out over three years. Certainty is a big deal for players, especially when they're uh, a bit older like Anderson is. He's not old, but he's older, and he's um, you know coming off a huge breakout. Now, again, there's always that question of like, how much can he hold of what he learned? They taught him something with that changeup, right? That's that's plain as day. It's not. I think that's part of it too. Is like they didn't teach him ten different things to make him good. They said, "Here's the best thing you do, Tyler Anderson. Do that a lot. Do that a lot, a lot, and I bet you'll find more success." So he jumped his changeup up, uh, and it wasn't even that he, the volume went crazy. It, the pitch was just exponentially better but he went from 25 percent usage to 32 percent usage the pitch value which is not predictive but tells you how good the pitch was this year went from minus 3.9 pitch value for the changeup last year to 14.8 this year not just one of the best changeups in baseball one of the best pitches in baseball even if you regress that of course 257 era 1.0 whip nobody's expecting that give him a full run of era give him 0.15 extra of whip 
357-115. Can, can, can Tyler Anderson legitimately do that? If that's the projection, how do you feel about that 357-115? By the way, that's a lot better than Steamer. Steamer is more pessimistic because, of course, this is an isolated out, outlier season in a sea of mid-fours ERAs with bad whips. So his projection at Steamer is 437-128. Wow. So maybe I'm too low on my uh, on my back of the napkin type of deal. So bump bump up higher. Go 390, 120 for Tyler Anderson. That seems right to me. 390, 120 seems right. I want to give him a little bit more credit. So maybe I would be like at 370, 118 or something like that. Um it still makes him a pretty valuable guy, and like yeah. he's not going high. Like he's going, considering what he did, he's going at two forty four or something like that. This is another sorry. one where the market, you sorry, know, two fifty nine, two sixty. Um, he's going after Merrill Kelly, Jameson Tyon, Eric Lauer, Alex Cobb. How is he going behind Alex Cobb? You like, saw what Alex Cobb did last year. Didn't do what Tyler Anderson did last year. Give me. Like I, I think he's going to regress a fair amount. But like, give me the guy that was just a top fifteen pitcher. Like, like what the hell are we doing here? Speaking of what the hell are we doing? I, I hate to divert away from Tyler Anderson, but I went to search where he was on Steamer projections um, as far as the auction calculator. First off, that projection ranks him as the one hundred seventeenth starter. So that yeah. would be bad if you felt it there. Do you know who is directly ahead of him? I do it's not. A, it's a former teammate, which should tell you a, a former Where teammate from it? last year. Not quite, but it's Tony Gonsolin. Where yeah. are they getting a 437, 132 projection for a guy with a yeah, 251.99 career? I know projections hate, or sorry, I know projections are not supposed to be biased, but how does a projection system hate Dodgers more than I do? <laughs> okay, like even even going off of yeah. Gonsolin's career Sierra, which is skill interactive ERA, uh, it's a 404 or fit 345. They got it projected for a 437. Where the hell is that coming from? I mean, here's the thing. This is why I, I mentioned this in my article. I can't remember who it was with. Oh, I think it was with the first guy, which was Tyler Glassdown. Projections are great. I love looking at projections. But, but this is why we should take them with a grain of salt, right? Like, I think there are things that projections do not account for, like, especially, like, late career changes or mid-career changes yeah. uh, to a guy's, you know, profile. Um, and and th th well, that's speaking more to Tyler Anderson because Gonsolin's just yeah. always been good, and that's why this doesn't make any sense. So let's go back to Anderson. We don't have to talk about Gonsolin. But um, you're right. Like, this is a an outlier season. He, he got this great change up. I understand why the projection is where it is with Tyler Anderson. I just don't agree with it. I, I'm giving him yeah. more credit for 2022 than the projections are. Yeah. I'm going to regress him, but I'm just not going to go all the way back to what he was before this year. And I'll probably regress him a little bit more just because he's not on the Dodgers and he's on the Angels. Yeah. And the Angels track record with keeping pitchers healthy um, and just making general pitchers, success. Yeah. General yeah, success has been really atrocious. And the Dodgers you know, ability to keep guys on the mound and uh, get about just as much as they can from every individual arm has been fantastic. So you got to think there will be some regression there. Uh, that being said, uh, 
I don't mind this move at all. Like, I, I don't think the AL, like the ALS has two really good teams in it. One team is getting better, and then the Oakland A's. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Rude. so, yeah, so uh, it's not necessarily a bad place for him to be pitching, uh, you know, division wise. Um, yeah, I think I'm fine with it, especially at the price. The price is just prime to buy. I'll be interested to see if this drops him any further or yeah. if it actually, like I said before, any news is good news, right? So, like, he it probably will bump him up a little bit uh, now that he has a spot. Uh, but, I, I mean, I still think he's probably going about 50 picks too late anyways right now. Yeah, so two, 260 is the ADP for Tyler Anderson, the 100th pitcher off the board. That includes relievers. If he bumps up to 210, uh, which is what you said there, now you're talking about in between Grayson Rodriguez and Jack Flaherty with Frankie Montas, John Gray, Edward Cabrera around. So you like him yeah. in that sort of general group? I do. I, I can get behind that. So that's Tyler Anderson, newly of the Angels. Bryce Harper, going to have elbow surgery, uh, work on that UCL. I think they don't know if it's going to be TJ like until they're doing it or something. Did, did I hear that right? I have no idea. I hadn't even heard he was electing for surgery. So. Oh, yeah. So he is getting surgery. Oh, it happened on my birthday. That's why. Yeah, yeah. It's been your birthday. Oh, yeah. By the way, happy birthday. I didn't wish it to you on um, Thank you. I'm uh, old. The show. I did wish it to you on Twitter, though. Um, and, you know, Jason beat me to it, but I got you in my phone, man. It pops up. Oh. It pops up every year. I know. Because I'm I'm not a birthday rememberer. So I got to have you in my phone. I'm awful. I appreciate yeah. everybody who reached out to me on Twitter. I got uh, you. Got really phone, nice man. messages. Very, very nice. So um, happy birthday. How old are you? I'm 38. You're almost, you're two years from your favorite year for the best year ever when you get to say, I'm a man, I'm 40 all year. Yeah, it's awesome. yeah. I'll be saying that a lot. Yeah. Jen so. did seem to gleefully announce that I could no longer say it on my birthday this year. Ooh. So she, you know, because I turned 41. So she seemed to be, maybe she didn't express the annoyance with me saying it all year, like five trillion times. But once it was done, she was pretty eager. She's, She's like, oh, you can't say that stupid yeah. phrase from 500 years ago anymore, you old sure, you're still 40-something. I know. I'm a man. I'm 41. I can change it. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is actually some pretty big news here because um, the, the, the comparison that they have is, is Otani. And when he got surgery, and he got his in early October of 2018, about seven weeks earlier than Harper – and he missed the first five weeks of the season. Now, you can't just do a perfect one-to-one -one and match up the timelines and say, this is what Harper's going to miss. But I think he's down six weeks. Yeah, I'm kind of going with a six weeks to two months missed off rip. And yeah. I'm going to be honest, in draft champions, Bryce Harper is off my board. I'm just not inviting a near two-month in, two injury onto my team because I know I'm going to get a bunch of other injuries that I didn't plan for why would i want to bring him on board how do you feel about a a harper season that's going to be compromised here for i would say at least a month minimum i think you got to go five months for him how do you feel about harper now and where would you put him on your draft champions draft board because that's what's going on right now there's also cut lines where i would take him because four four and a half months of harper in a best ball is different but but in draft champions for me, I'm, I'm just not taking him. What do you think about Bryce Harper's injury? He's off my board in anything except for a draft – or, sorry, a, a best ball league. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's got the funnest split in terms of min-max right now. His min is 
sixth. Someone took him sixth overall in a draft. Before His they got this max thing. is ninety-eight. Okay, so that's that gives us a good insight onto where he's going to fall, then, right? Well, his ADP is nineteen, so more people are closer to the six. Well, the injury news just came out, though. But we've known he was injured, like but the, we, no, but we didn't know that he was going to miss time. We knew it was a possibility, and Actually, he's UT only. I'll, 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 I will speak for myself. I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Really? I, I wasn't. Like I knew he was hurt. I knew he played through. You know, and if we didn't have the DH, he wouldn't have been able to play in the playoffs and all that. I didn't know that I thought whatever was going to get done was going to be handled within the off season. But now oh. that it's a surgery, you're there's missed time. It's coming. Like there's almost no way that Bryce Harper won't miss some time. So I was unaware. So I, I will put my and hand maybe, up. Maybe the field was too, because like he, I think, I think the field was, I really do. You know, for him to go from, from him to have an ADP that ranges between pick six and pick 98 and then fall at pick 20, means for every five or every four people that take take him in the top 20 picks only one person is taking him around pick 100 like right or or that late so like it's really been weighted towards the front end of the draft uh which is insanity like there's no way he's on my team like so there's that one draft since the news right because other drafts have started but they don't put him in the adp until the draft is done so there's only oh, been the one draft. Zero, zero drafts have been completed since that. So or no, or no, one has. I, I did from five from eleven. Yeah, but that, that means it, it was completed. He was probably drafted way before that. Well, no, he went ninety eight. Oh, oh, so that was the one draft. That's what I'm saying. The, the one oh. draft in this time frame since it's been announced was the one where he went ninety eight. So I think that gives us an idea of where Harper might be. We've already said that we're he's out still too high. Like he's yeah, still too I, high. Like he's I'm like, already out because that puts him around. Um, and since he's UT only, which you pointed out, um, he'll get outfield eventually, but you're drafting him as UT only right now. He's around Gunnar Henderson, Tim Anderson, Starling Marte, Brian Reynolds, Christian Yelich, and Daniel Lowe. I'm not taking Harper over any of those. No, guys right now. no. And I mean, here's the thing. Like how long does it take him to get outfield? Will they let him just play outfield right away? Like, or is he going? That's to actually a great of, call. He's going to mix in at DH. Yep, a lot too to kind of you know get him back in shape for playing in the outfield, especially with the elbow. So yeah, because uh, I think most of us are expecting. Oh, you know, two weeks into the season, he's outfield eligible. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe he's outfield eligible in August. Like, I think he'll get it before that, but your point is well taken that it's not guaranteed to be right away, especially coming off this surgery. So I love Harper. I've been a long time fan of his. Uh, we've been discussing him for years, you and I, individual, you know, against each other. I, the, only, the only place that he will like, I mean, outside of basketball leagues, that he could end up on my team is if I get a pretty big discount in a league like Tout Wars. And I say a league like Tout Wars, I know a lot of people are like, I can't, I can't play in Tout Wars. They won't invite me. There are some leagues that have unlimited IL spots. Yes. And if you're in a league with an unlimited IL and you get a big enough discount, um, then he makes a lot of sense. I think the problem is in most kind of like generic leagues, most of your home leagues, ESPN, Yahoo leagues, there's going to be someone that goes, oh, Bryce Harper's available this late? Yeah. Like, I know he's supposed to miss some time, but that's not a lot of time. Like, the name value of Bryce Harper will keep him probably around pick 100. Uh, and at that price, I'm out. Yep. 
Yep, I totally agree. Love Harper. Can't do it. I'll, I'll catch up with him next year. Yeah. All right, next up on our sheet here is, ooh, we got some small moves here, and I'm curious what you think about this one. Listen, anytime somebody goes to Colorado, it's going to raise our antenna, especially when it's a, a particularly when it's a hitter, not, not uh, especially because we don't give a shit about pitchers that go to Colorado. In fact, that's a negative. But uh, when a hitter goes there, we're instantly like, ah, little green arrow next to him. Do you feel that way about Nolan Jones of Cleveland, the prospect, uh, you know, a power kind of all or nothing type of guy, debuted for a little bit this year. He gets traded out to Colorado from Cleveland. He had a 244, 309, 372 slash in his 94 major league plate appearances this year. Just a 93 WRC plus, but he did put up a 122 in AAA, hitting nine homers in 248 plate appearances down there. You know, he's got some punch. That's kind of his his calling card. He has the raw power that he's still trying to figure out how to bring it into consistent in the games consistently. Does Colorado help him untap that? And is Nolan Jones now on your draft champions board? I mean, was, he, was he, he already, was, by the way? He kind of was already. Okay. Uh, I mean, the problem with Nolan Jones is, uh, like, we know there is power in the profile. The problem is, like, you cannot tap into that if you're going to swing and miss as much as he does. Um, it's a small sample, but he had, like, a 71% zone contact rate at the major league level for – for reference, that is atrocious. Yeah, um, league average really around right. 84, 85 uh, percent. So 71% is atrocious. It, it would, you know, if he was a qualified hitter, it would probably make him the worst or close to the worst hitter in, in all of baseball in terms of contact skills. Uh, so that that's what you're getting. Like, I don't even know where he cracks this team. And it's not a good team. It should be fairly easy to crack. Uh, I also don't know that um, he really serves them at all in terms of ability to play the field. What they need is a center fielder. Like they don't need a and that's not outfielder. He's not a center fielder because um, you're not gonna. I, I don't think they're gonna. You know, put Blackman in center. No, they need to. They need to actually get somebody. Brian. They need to go. Unless they're going to run with Jonathan Daza, Kevin uh, Kiermeyer makes sense. Um, he's old and can block off talent. Um, he's injury prone, which is perfect in a part seven-year seven deal, baby. Seven-year yeah. deal. Um, and he would make logically no sense for the future of the organization, which is what the Rockies like to do in terms of their addition. So. Uh, um, that's, that's funny. I I don't fully disagree with you. I mean, he's 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 thirty three. Um, you think get him on a one year deal? There's there's no bad year deal. Type give thing. me a two year. You know, give give me a team option in the second year that if you or a vesting if he can play one hundred and thirty five. Yeah, I think vesting makes a lot of sense. Yeah, vesting is um, what I'm trying to do with Kiermaier because on a two year, I think that can make some sense. But yeah, Nolan Jones is not the answer there. He is a an afterthought in drafts right now. You know, five pick five ten. This is not going to turn him into something. Major, no one's going to be like, oh, now his I'm picking price, him His price will jump 50, 60 spots because of this, and I don't care. Oh, I, I'd say 100. I, I oh, think he'll maybe, yeah. like because it's Colorado. You know what yeah. Colorado does to players. So, yeah, I think it'll go 100, 150 picks, um, but I'm not taking it. I think what this does is maybe tell people. I think there's some people getting excited on Zach Bean. Um, I think this may be a sign that they're not anticipating Zach Dean being Tamp up it down here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if Zach Dean comes up, he's coming up super late. So he shouldn't be drafting Zach Dean in redraft leagues. Um, 
yeah, so I, I think maybe this is a good sign. Hey, pump your brakes on some of the younger guys that they were normally going to block. They're probably yep. going to continue blocking them. <laughs> we saw Veen at the Fall League. Very impressive player, to be sure. But um, disastrous 34-game sample at, at AA as a 20-year-old. I mean, literally put up a 496 OPS. So he's probably going to go back there uh, to, to play a little bit more AA. He did do well in the fall league, uh, or has done well. 99 played appearances with an 889 OPS. That probably mitigates some of the concerns of the double A flop. Uh, but I still think he goes there for a little bit next year, and then he'll be a triple A, which then means he'll be a call away. So you can you can draft Veen in draft champions, but again, don't stack too many prospects who haven't hit the majors. You're going to wind up with an unplayable roster way quicker than you expect but we're not really moved by the nolan jones thing he is going to colorado it is better and he has pop but outside of like uh just a late 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 pick where i'm just scrounging for something i'm not really interested let's yeah. close talking about three relievers none of them have closer jobs but they all could maybe find their way into some saves let's start with rafael montero he re-ups with houston and again he does not have the job, and Ryan Presley is not going anywhere right now. However, Ryan Presley is also 34 years old next year. He's dealt with some injuries. They don't really push him. He Again, he is the guy. 26 saves last year, 33 this year. But I do wonder if it can be more of a 1A, 1B, mostly to protect Presley so he's not overtaxed because they want to have him in October. And Houston's one of those teams that they can kind of plan for October even when they're making their team here in December and November, because they know that they're, you know, pretty much going to make the playoffs unless things really fall apart. Montero did get 14 saves of his own due to a couple bouts on the uh, IL for Presley. He went five and two. So he, he chipped in five wins, 237 ERA, 102 whip, and 73 strikeouts in 68 innings. The reason I bring up the wins with Montero is because he's always pitching in leveraged spots. Mm -hmm. So even if he doesn't get another 14 saves, I think he could get another five, six wins. So if you give me five, six, seven wins with 10 saves, I was going to say eight to 10 saves, a bunch of strikeouts, good ratios. That's still a pretty useful player, even in our, especially in our 15 team formats. 12s, you're pretty fringy at that point, unless he is closing. And 10s, you don't have to worry about him. But what do you think of Rafael Montero going back to Houston? If you're in a league where you roster the next man up, I think Montero is a pretty close to the top of that list. One of the best, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he's on a great team that's going to get a lot of wins. That means a lot of saves. Uh, and he's got a guy in front of him who wins. Yeah, he's, he's got a guy in front of him who's really great. And uh, but has injury issues um, and, and chronic one. The, the, yeah. the knee has become a persistent issue for so, yeah. Montero is a guy that I love, especially in draft and holds, um, you know, just to take a dart throw on uh, and a guy that uh, I think, like I said, in your deeper formats, ale only especially like he, he's a guy that I, I'm, I want on my team. So, uh, you know, I mean, and I mean, transitioning over to uh Robert Suarez, like he's another yes. guy. Like I want him on my roster, especially if we see another hater like falling apart. Like Suarez is clearly the next man out there. Yeah, so we, we'll go to that one. Suarez inks a five-year deal in San Diego. They really said, hey, we yeah. love you because they brought him over last year from uh, – Again, a sign of this reliever market that is really, really bad and now worse because all these guys, Edwin Diaz resigns, um, uh, 
Robert well, Torres. We're going to be like Mark yeah. on the on the market. None of these guys are now available, and this is why you know the Mariners get Teoscar Hernandez for first Swanson. Yep, it all uh, they, comes full circle. It, it all it all works back uh, like the end of a Seinfeld episode. Uh, that's such a dated reference now too. I, I hate <laughs> I hate my life. Uh, so they brought Suarez over from Japan last year. Remember, and he came with some fanfare where he might have even gotten the closer's job. But then they had Taylor Rogers ready to go, and he started off the season well. And of course, they got Hater, and we know the the tumult that he went through. But by season's end, Hater was back to being Hater, you know, in in bold and and underlined. But Suarez was good. Five wins, a save, two twenty seven ERA, a, a uh, excuse me, one hundred five WHIP, and sixty one strikeouts in forty seven and two thirds. I think that inning volume goes up. I think he's more of a uh, high leverage guy, and he could get another good handful of wins, maybe sneak a few saves. He is 32, which is probably what surprises people about the commitment. It's it's three years yeah. guaranteed with two options, but they love him and they're buying in on this this talent here. And so I think uh, I think Suarez is a really interesting next man up, as you say, and I wouldn't have him too far behind Montero. So I agree with you there. And it's less about being worried about Hayner and more about just liking what Suarez can do. So in a league where middle relievers are taken, I think Suarez should be one of the uh, prioritized ones. Even in a league where they're not, I still think that he is a guy that uh, you should think about. Because uh, especially if you're doing early draft, would it surprise you if the Padres went, hey, we got Suarez now, maybe we trade Hater? We, we, we. You know, Hater's in the last year of his contract. And, and his money's going to be expensive, right? Yeah. That's part of why he, uh, Milwaukee traded him, because yeah. they didn't want to commit that kind of money to uh, what he's going to get in ARB with Devin Williams right there, right? They had what they think is an equally great closer, and they didn't want to be paying two guys high-end money for, for relieving. Mm-hmm. So I, I – and Preller – you, you never know with him. So that's a good call. If Hader gets traded, Suarez's value jumps up like crazy. At that it just point. seems so weird for them to give him such a big contract. As yeah, five. Like I, five years to a 32-year-old, $45 million. You know, that's a lot of money for a guy who's not closing for you. So what if he is closing for you? Sign me up because I already drafted him in in my first draft and hold because that was the one where I didn't have a lot of saves. By the way, Dev Dev isn't making any money, so it wasn't about paying both of them. It was just about they didn't want to pay Hater. Obviously, they have the Yelich contract, which is looking a a bit dicey. And so, um, you know, they they don't have a a ton of commitments, but they didn't want to pay a bunch to Hater. uh, And that's part of why they traded him to San Diego. And then the last one, Flyer, deep. Probably not going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> but this guy could this guy could find himself in a role too. Nick Anderson, remember this guy from uh, Tampa Bay? It's been a while, so if you if you forgot about Nick Anderson, I actually won't blame you too much. But he's going to Atlanta, and you know the talent is there. That's unquestioned. The health is decidedly not though. He has a combined twenty two innings since the start of twenty twenty, and that includes zero last year. 16 in 2020, 6 in 21, and then none this year. He was great in 2019. The The likelihood that anything materializes here is very low, but he is a very live arm. He'll be age 32. Um, are you interested in Nick Anderson at all, or only if you have Kenley Jansen, or even not in that case? How do you feel about Nick Anderson going to Atlanta? I mean, 
I, I'm going to push back on one of the things you said right there. Kenley's a free agent, by the way. I just want to point out, but yeah. there has been a lot of speculation that he's going to resign there. So, uh, go ahead. Oh, push back. I, push back I, on I, me. I had not heard that. That or that, some spec. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I'm overstating it. It's not a lot, but people are kind of penciling him in to go back there. But that mm, is not. That is not. That would kill my Rossi Iglesias share. Um, that I just drafted. Uh, See, and I, that's right. Sorry, I know you're going to push back on me, and I still want you to. I think it's Iglesias full stop. I'm treating Iglesias like one of the top five closers, but I got pushback. I am. Like, what if they resign Kenley? And I'm like, why would they do that? I don't know why they would do that. that unless, it's matter, unless it's a matter of the rest of the bullpen market sucks and they're well, afraid he's like the only guy they can get. Um, yeah. So that would make sense, I guess. Um, and Iglesias has shown he can pitch fine in, in you know, non-closing situations. But you picked but up that contract. That's so what I'm saying. You picked up that contract to make him the – like, again, it's not I, – I, I overstated this notion that, like, there's rumors that Kenley's going back. I received pushback in a conversation where people were seriously – so there are some folks seriously entertaining the notion that Jansen goes back. I disagree with that notion. I think it's Iglesias as the guy – what did you want to push back on? I, with I think there's a better Andrews. chance that Jansen goes back to the Dodgers than it goes back to the. Or, I would uh, agree with that. Uh, the uh, it, back to Atlanta. Um, I want to push back on the notion that we know that Anderson is still good. Oh, that's fair. I will yeah. not. I will yeah. rant on that 100. percent We have no idea what the heck this guy is. Yeah, I mean, he threw 20 or sorry, he threw 16 innings in AAA. They were awful. Yes, like, he was dog he, shit AAA this year. He his homework for nine was two eight one in those sixteen innings. Um, his strikeout rate was nothing. Um, like yeah, like I'm surprised they gave him a guaranteed million dollar contract for the majors. So that's why he didn't make the majors this year. Then with the Rays, because when they saw him in AAA, they're like, "Well, you're not ready to come up and do anything." Yeah, we can't have you pitching in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean. I think this is just a name to watch. Like I, I on he's not even on my board in a draft at all. No, not, point. Like, not, not even specking for saves because I, I believe in Rysel. Like I said, I have Rysel as a top five guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I okay. Well, then, that, yeah. Then we don't have to worry too much about Nick Anderson. But this was our first moves only episode of the offseason, and it feels good. We were talking offline before we got started here. It's been a while since we have anything close to a normal offseason and i'm not just talking about the covid and then the repercussions from that people need to rewind i think it was 19 where we had that huge lull and the superstars weren't even signing until late june early february we yeah. haven't had a quote-unquote normal offseason in a long time so i'm excited we've already been getting moves today's the non-tender deadline which is going to be a big deal let mm -hmm. me ask you do you think bellinger gets non-tendered no okay because that's kind of the big guy his projected salary is about 18 mil um, you know, the Dodgers it, have so much money coming. Like, I mean, that's David Price's salary from last year. So, like, yep. I, I don't, I mean, they don't care about money. Like, they're like, um, <laughs> yes, they do, but it's Cody Freaking. It's Cody Bell. I like, I don't know how. Could you imagine if the Giants just signed him for, you know, and like he goes on to have an MVP season? Like, I don't know. You, can, you can't let that guy just hit the market over 18, a one year, $18 million deal. I feel like. You're better off paying him an ARB or, or working out a deal before you go to yeah. ARB and then trading him if you're really out, right? Yeah. Because you can yeah, get for sure. something. 
So I tend to agree with you, but that is the big looming question today that a lot of people are wondering when it comes to non-tenders. We'll see some other interesting names. There'll there'll be ones that surprise us. Yeah, you and Jason will probably talk about them on Sunday. But Bellinger's the big dog that we're all kind of like, hmm, are they going to sign him? I think they do too. But if they don't, I'm going to be super, super, super intrigued by that. And we could see some more deals today too to, to work out 40 men roster, 40 man rosters. And, you know, if someone that you don't want to sign, that you don't want to tender, you tender them and trade them right away. So we could still see some movement That's here. Bold prediction. If Cody Bellinger gets signed, I say he signs in Colorado. Now sign me up for that. I know we make fun of them signing guys who aren't, you know, babies. They, they, need, a, they need a center fielder. He's, um, and he's not even old. He, he wouldn't and, even fit there signing an old guy type of thing. And marijuana is legal. There you go, dude. I mean, I Be- feel like it's a perfect spot. Bellinger to Coors, and that regenerates good in purple. Uh, who doesn't? Come on, purple is mm-hmm. a wonderful color. So, um, yeah, keep an eye on the non-tender deadline today. Jason and Justin will be back on Sunday to discuss uh, what happens there, among other things. But, uh, hey, wonderful talking with you. Hope the rest of your birthday week goes well, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Take it easy.